I, uh, I keep a spreadsheet that tracks every sermon and scripture from every sermon series that I have led at Clay Church since I arrived here in 2014. Uh, some of you who have been in my office are like, yeah, right, you're not that organized. We've seen you. Um, but, uh, but in some ways I am organized, and that's one. And the reason is because it would be really easy to repeat passages of the Bible over the years as you, as you lead a church, to preach the same thing, favorites over and over again. Because here's the thing. In a week or two, you all don't remember a sermon. In a week or two, it's okay. In a week or two, I don't remember a sermon. And so it would be really easy in two years to pull out the same sermon and do it again, or at least preach on the same topic again. But here's what happens in those, in those churches, and this does happen in churches. What happens is the, the pastor and the church begin to pick the, the scriptures that they like the best, and, and it becomes about them, and it, and it ends up being whatever the pastor's favorite it or whatever the church's favorite things to hear about are, and not the whole of God's scripture. So when we get ready to do a new sermon series at Clay, I look at the spreadsheet and I, and I um, sort it by scripture and I look and we repeat some things if it fits in a series. We, we, have, we have covered some topics more than, more than once or some scriptures more than once, but in nine years, we have, we've talked about over 400 different passages of scripture as part of our worship services here. All that said, this year I was doing some planning work and realize that there is at least one book of the Bible that we have not mentioned at all in my nine years at Clay Church from the pulpit on Sunday, and that is Song of Songs. Now, I don't know what you know about Song of Songs. Song of Songs, there may be a reason we haven't really talked about it. It is provocative. It is, uh, it is sexually charged. It is filled with erotic language. In, in some Jewish communities, boys were not allowed to read Song of Songs. Boys who memorized the rest of the Bible were not even allowed to read Song of Songs until they were bar mitzvahed, 14, 15, 16 years old. It's a book of the Bible that frankly talks openly about sex and sexuality. And talking about sex in a church can get you fired if you're not careful. So we don't talk about it much. But today we're going to. We're going to talk about Song of Songs. And in one of those coincidences of life that you really just can't make up, um, this sermon series has been set for a while, and then I, uh, and my daughter Ella asked if I would be a chaperone on her trip to Washington, D.C. this past week. So I spent this past week in Washington, D.C. with Ella and like 200 other eighth graders from her school. It was an amazing trip. But, uh, but every time, usually I, I you know, prepare for the sermon during the week, and every time I opened my Bible app, I had this sudden fear that somebody would be looking over my shoulder and being like, why is a chaperone on the trip reading things like, let my love come to his garden, let him eat its luscious fruit? Then I sat outside on a boat on our final day on Thursday. There was a, they were all in like a dance. So it was on the Potomac, beautiful spot, but they're, they're all dancing. And I, I was like, I, that's good for them. I'm going to go find a peaceful spot. And so I'm sitting out on the deck and then the kids start like rolling past me. And I'm watching these eighth grade boys uh, try and get the phone numbers of these senior girls from another school. And I'm like, this is God providing sermon research for Song of Songs right here. 
So we're going to talk about Song of Songs today. But I, I had another realization in addition to the one about not talking about Song of Songs. It also struck me that I do not believe that in, in the nine years that we've been here that Cheryl has been up on the chancel with me since the Sunday that we were introduced here. And there just hasn't been any reason for both of us to be up front. Cheryl's been serving regularly in, in other areas. So I thought, what better day to invite her up than to talk about Song of Songs? And in what may have been a weak moment, she said yes. Now, in a few minutes, she's going to tell you she didn't say yes. But I heard yes. Because we can talk about it means yes to me, right? Husbands out there? You're, uh, no? Okay. At this very moment, she is sitting there thinking, I did this once. I don't want to do it again. Um, but I think because she loves me, she's still going to come up here in a moment. So, Cheryl, you want to want to join me up here? Please join me up here. Do you want me to get closer? No, actually, you're supposed to stay further. <laughs> you're supposed to stay further away so our microphones don't oh. cross over. Um, yeah. Okay. We love each other, really. We do. <laughs> This, this sermon is all about how we love to be close to each. Okay. <laughs> I, am, uh, I am incredibly, it does feel weird being this far apart. <laughs> I am, okay, Tim says go for it. He'll figure it out. All right. I am incredibly grateful to be married to Cheryl. She is the love of my life, and um, I cannot imagine life without her. She is kind and compassionate. Um, you all don't see her a lot on Sunday mornings because since we have been here at Clay Church, she has uh, almost every Sunday been a volunteer, um, either helping lead a small group in our first our children's ministries and now our youth ministries. Um, some of you that don't know Cheryl or don't know her very well, you've probably get a hint of how creative she is because you've seen some of her creativity and the, uh, the decor that we have for holidays and for, for special sermon series. Um, she is caring and kind and, uh, and makes me the, the man and the pastor that, that I am. And I mean that quite literally. I would, I would smell if she didn't do my laundry. I am, uh, I'm so thankful she said yes uh, to marrying me and to being up here today to have a conversational sermon about Song of Songs. So let's, uh, let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to dive into Song of Songs. If you want to follow along in your Bibles and, and just kind of open the book of Song of Songs, we're going to jump around a little bit in there as, as we talk in a little bit. Let's, uh, let's pray. Holy God, we give thanks for this opportunity to dig into your word, to, to reflect on what you have to say to us. Just open our, our minds and our, and our hearts. May we learn and grow in these moments together. May we be open to conversations we maybe haven't had before. And at the heart of it all, Lord, just um, help us deepen our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, since we're going to talk a little bit about Song of Songs, we thought it, it might be good just to start with a little bit about our relationship, um, since Song of Songs is, is about a relationship. So uh, um, you, you want to you wanna start? Sure. And I'll jump in where okay. 
the details are different from my perspective. All right. Yes. So speaking of that, um, <laughs> yeah, he said he asked me, and he did a couple months ago, he asked me if I would help him with this sermon, and I said I would think about it, and then we never talked about it, and I had decided no. And then a week and a half ago, he's like, well, you're helping me with that, right? And I'm like, uh, uh, okay. So, um, but here I am because I love him. And you, you should have been there for that moment because she was eating popcorn and, uh, and suddenly when it came up, it went from like a bite to just like eating as fast as she could. Like I'm avoiding this topic. I don't want to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 So. Anyway, but uh, I can, I'll start with just um, how we met, and um, I was, we were both living in Indianapolis, and I was at St. Luke's United Methodist Church, and I was volunteering with the youth group, mostly like Sunday mornings, and then uh, with their retreats, and the pastor of the youth group at that time was Dennis, Pastor Dennis Floor, and he was a great, great guy. He ended up kind of being like an uncle to me, um, partially trying to always fix me up with people or suggesting people that I, you know, look at. Um, I was in my 20s and single, and there was, uh, I remember specifically, I had been volunteering for a while, and Dennis wanted me to attend a couple meetings with him where he was interviewing a couple of young men to also volunteer with the youth group. And I said, okay. Didn't think he really needed me, but his excuse was that if they had any questions, they could ask me for like my opinion or my, you know, what I thought about volunteering with the youth. He didn't do this with any other volunteers. No, he had never done this before, no. so I thought that was really weird. Um, so I, I, there, there was another young man that, you know, he interviewed and I was there. And I don't even remember his name. And then Brian came in and I do remember, you know, I, Brian was memorable, but it was not love at first sight. Um, he was very nice. He was very obvious. He was very smart. And um, I mean, I liked him, but he started volunteering, but not in the same area. St. Luke's is a very, very large church. So the youth group had multiple different areas where you could volunteer. So we were not in the same circles, I guess. So for first year or two, I would see him in the hall and I would just kind of say, hi, and he'd usually ignore me. I'd be like, okay, just trying to be nice, trying to tell him, hey, I kind of remember you, but you know. So um, anyway, but down the road, you know, over the years, while Brian was volunteering and I was volunteering, Dennis would often come up to me. I remember one time I was on the bus during a, a uh, retreat with the kids and he's like, hey, Cheryl, before you get off the bus, I just want to talk to you. I know this guy who's really, really nice and I think maybe you guys would make a great pair. And I'd be like, are you talking about Brian? And he's like, well, yeah, okay. He did this at least two or three other times, different periods of the years. And I'd be like, are you talking about Brian? Usually I was already dating somebody else. Um, but I do remember um, going on vacation with this 
one boyfriend and uh, it wasn't a good relationship at all, but I was having a very hard time getting out of it. So um, we went on vacation together, we got along great, but I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I wouldn't be friends with this guy if we weren't dating. There's something wrong with this. <laughs> this is not good. So anyway, still took me a while to break up with him, but I remember one night praying to God, God, I do not have the strength to do this on my own. I know I need to break up with the boyfriend, but I need you to send me somebody to take his place because I'm not strong enough to do it cold turkey and without you. So just so happens the very next day, I was going on a retreat with the youth group and with Dennis and Brian, this was gonna be Brian's first retreat with the youth group. And Dennis pulled me and this other girl who was single as well, pulled us aside before we were to take off and told us that, hey, I need one of you to ride with Brian in the cargo van. Don't want him to be alone while he's driving. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'll go, I'll ride with him, you know, get to know him, whatever. And um, lo and behold, we got along so great that that van ride just, I mean, it was like a two hour trip, but it, you would never know. We just talked and talked and we had so much in common and so many thoughts in common, songs, the way we were raised. And um, all of a sudden in the middle of our conversation, it dawned on me, the prayer I had the night before that I asked God to send me somebody and it was like, oh my gosh, here's the answer to my prayer. It was just clicked, I just knew it. So, um, Still didn't date him, but we became friends. We were volunteered more with the same um, parts of the youth group, and we got into a Bible study together, started to get to know each other better. I started to really know he was truly the person he came across to be. He wasn't just showing a good side. Um, and, you know, still along those days, you know, Pastor Dennis would come up and say, hey, I know this great guy. And I'd be like, I know. I know who you're talking about. Uh, so, but finally I did break up with the boyfriend and Brian and I started hanging out more and just kind of like going out to dinner and just doing things. And I finally had to ask him if he was interested in me or not. Cause you know, it was that undefined kind of relationship and uh, I knew I liked him. I knew he was supposed to be in my life, but then again, I, you know, maybe he didn't feel the same way. So I finally had to ask him and he was finally like, okay, yeah. And uh, I didn't want to be the rebound guy. <laughs> yeah. Like the rebound guy in my experience was never a good thing. And mm -hmm. so I was like, I, I just want to be a friend. I'm going to be here. I don't want to be yeah. the rebound guy, but it, it can work. Just so you know. Yeah, it, and it did. It yeah. did. It still is. And so we started dating and pretty much knew really quickly that we were made for each other and that we would eventually marry. And yeah, we were married within two years. And Dennis, Dennis did our, our wedding, performed the wedding, and he was very, very happy. <laughs> so um, very big success story for him. So, right. but yeah, right. so that's. Yeah. Start of our relationship, start of everything. Yeah, now 20, 22 years later. Yeah. 20, almost 23. Almost, 
almost, well, almost 22, 22 years almost 22. later. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so with that kind of grounding of our relationship, we, we are just going to kind of dialogue today about Song of Songs and, and about love and intimacy and, and relationship. And, um, you know, last week I talked about uh, thinking of the wisdom literature in the Bible, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, or those books sometimes referred to as, as wisdom literature, as, as tools, as, as tools for the, for the in-between times in our life, or, or navigating um, until life is as God wants it to be. And, uh, and we've, we've kind of covered those tools in this 167 series. They're tools, really, for letting us claim the other 167 hours of our lives outside of worship as, as holy, as filled with God's presence. So we talked about psalms as, as really songs or music. They're, they're prayers set to music. And, and Carolyn helped us think of the, of the psalms as a tool to, to think that everything from A to Z in our lives is, is filled with God's presence. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Proverbs, and Proverbs is wisdom that we can carry in our pocket that helps us, it's the collected wisdom of those who've come before that helps us navigate in a world that isn't always easy to navigate and find the way of, of goodness and faith to stay off the way of foolishness and, and evil or pain. And then uh, last week, we talked about Ecclesiastes as a tool to turn to when we're searching for meaning. And, and Ecclesiastes really shows us that without God, nothing has meaning. But with God, if we'll give God our entire lives, if we'll give God our play and our pleasure and, and our work, if we'll give God of everything, then God imbues it all with meaning as, as part, of, of part of God's total creation. So today... We're going to look at the fourth tool, which is Song of Songs. And you might be like, okay, what, what, what is the tool in Song of Songs? Well, we're going to, I'm going to invite you today to think about Song of Songs as a, as a biblical tool to, to guide our relationships, to help us think about our relationships and, and intimacy and, and love within those relationships. God creates us to be in relationships, in the very beginning, God creates us in God's image. God creates us to be in relationships. And, and oh, first of all, with God, right? God creates us to be in relationship with God, but then as a reflection of that, to be in relationship with each other. And God also creates us. This is kind of the heart of Song of Songs. God creates us as sexual beings, as beings with desire and, and with feeling. So, as I said earlier, Song of Songs is this steamy, people kind of think of it as this erotic book in the Bible. It's filled with these cultural definitions that we don't understand. Like, like try this one. Your teeth are like shorn sheep descending upon Mount Gilead. Anybody try that with your significant other? And Your teeth are like shorn sheep. I, I don't get it. But anyway, we're going to talk about Song of Songs as we as we think about it as a tool to, to claim our need for relationships and intimacy. And we're going to think particularly about those as gifts from God. So I think too often the, the conversation about sexuality in particular in the, in the church, it's just this list of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do this. I, and maybe that's at best. At worst, we don't talk about it at all. I mean, we're, I'm guilty here. We haven't talked about Song of Songs in, in nine years which is funny when you think about it, like, it's a part of how we're made, a part of our creation. We're created with physical bodies, and we talk about, you know, what, what the Bible says and, and how we treat our bodies as a temple, and, and how we eat healthy and take care of ourselves, 
Like a healthy body is important to life. We talk about how healthy spirituality, um, how we should read the Bible and pray to be healthy spiritual beings. So if we're sexual beings, why is it that we don't talk about what it means to be healthy sexual beings? And particularly how our sexuality and our spirituality intersect. And part of it, I think, is it's just awkward. But part of it, I think, is we don't have language. We, we don't have a good way of, of talking about these topics. So Song of Songs gives us some language to have conversations that I, I think are so important. What, what I want to share today, what, what Cheryl and I are going to talk about, are, are three expressions of love that tie to Hebrew words for love um, that come from a teaching from uh, Rob Bell, who has a, a great video, if you want to go in more in-depth, called Flame, and, uh, and from Marty Solomon, who has a podcast and, and talks about this as well. Uh, the English language has like 600,000 words or something in a dictionary. I don't remember. It's like a huge number. But it's funny when you think about it, because out of all those words, um, we love those pants that somebody is wearing, and we love ice cream, and we love our spouse. Now, how I love Cheryl and how I love a pair of pants are, have no relation. Ice cream is closer, but still not the same thing. Right? We have one word somehow. Well, in Hebrew, in ancient Hebrew, there are three words. And we're going to explore those, explore those words today and how they appear in Song of Songs. For the first, the first word is rayach. Let's say that with me. Say rayach. Rayach is, it's related to the same word that is used for neighbor. It, you think of rayach as neighborly love. It's, it's the love that we have for, for a friend. Um, it's, uh, we, we might say brotherly love um, or sisterly love. You, it's a love that's expressed in familiarity. Uh, an example of this, uh, I'm going to guess many of you have had, some of you probably have a best friend, and maybe you haven't been around your best friend for, for two or three months, whatever, life gets in the way, you're doing other things, and when you get back together, it's like you haven't missed a beat. There's just this familiarity, this, this trust, this, this relationship there. That's, that's rayach in the, in the kind of platonic sense. But rayach, when you apply it to, to romance in the, in the Hebrew, it, it has this sense of poetry. It's it's the, it's the desire, it's that excitement, it's that tingle that you get when you're with somebody and you just, it just feels right. It's the electricity in a relationship. Rayach is what drives poetry. It's what leads us to, to write poems that express, express our love. It's that feeling that you get when you're in love. We find this in Song of Songs, chapter 4, 9, and 10. It says, you have stolen my heart. My sister, my bride, you have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. By the way, if you want to write some love words to your, your uh, feel free to borrow from Song of Songs because nobody knows where it came from, so you'll be good there. Uh, stay away from the sheep line, though. That one's just weird. <laughs> So, uh, so Cheryl, let's, let's just talk about uh, Rayach for a moment. As, as, you, as you think about Rayach, what are ways you've experienced it or what are ways that you, ways that you think about it? Um, definitely 
that first van ride, cargo ride that we had together was definitely a Ryak moment for me. I've had girlfriends where we get along great and you know, we don't see each other for a long time and we just kind of go, go right back to where we were even though we haven't seen each other for years. That our conversations and back then and as well as still today, you know, was, is a, was totally new to me, especially with a guy, but uh, we just clicked completely. And um, I, uh, I wrote something down here. I gotta get it out of my pocket though. Um, I wrote, I did this memory jar for him, for Brian once, and uh, this, I pulled this out today. It actually wasn't a memory, but it was a, a thing to kind of remind him of my love. And it just so happens that the verse I pulled out of the memory jar was from Song of Solomon, uh, chapter three, and it says, I have found the one whom my soul loves. And that is just, in, for me, that is that meaning. Everything, we're like soulmates, we're, we click. We're not the same, but we, we go together, we complement each other so well. Yeah, as I, as I think about that first conversation too, for me, I think I knew, I think because she had a boyfriend at the time, like I couldn't, I couldn't fathom what that looked like, but, but that was the moment I knew, like there was just this electricity, um, this, this sense of the world being right in this relationship, and, I, and that, it's an expression of Ryak. When early in our relationship, I think about this. I think, I think for me sometimes Ryak, the core, the, the, the love is, is still there, the, um, the connection, uh, but the, I think the electricity can kind of come and go. Like I, I remember early in our relationship, I wrote, uh, I wrote poetry um, to her and it just dawned on me. I'm like, well, I haven't done that in a long time. I wonder if she misses it. Um, like I wrote her this whole poem as, as I proposed and, and I think like I don't use the same words now, but I hope she knows, you know, right? <laughs> um, I hope she knows that, that I still feel that that just sense of things being right in, in her presence. But I also think one of the things that comes out of that is Ryach, and you get some sense of this in Song of Songs, the lover is gone for a while and, and she's searching for him. Like he doesn't come back, probably went to work. Um, typically in that culture, if you came in in the middle of the night, you didn't come into the house. So she searches for him and he's not there. And you get this sense of this desire and, and wondering where he is, this, um, I think Ryak comes and goes and it, it, it can fade. And I also think then that Ryak is something you have to work at um, because the, the electricity changes. When you have kids, everything in life changes. And so when you, like, if your relationship is just built on Ryak, when the electricity isn't there for a few days or for a few weeks or for a few months, does that mean your relationship is over? Well, well, no. Um, for us, I think it's spending time together. Cheryl's spirit or uh, um, gift. There's this great book um, by an author named Gary Chapman about the five love languages. Cheryl's love language is quality time. And so when we want to restore that rayach, um, we've got to carve out some time and, and spend some time together. So the, the second Hebrew term for love is ahava. And ahava is commitment. And it's hard. It's, it's the love that says, I will be there for you no matter what. 
It's a, it's a love that says, I will do anything for you. It's kind of an interesting aside in the Shema, um, which says, love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor. The love for neighbor is actually achava. It's a, it's a commitment kind of love. It's to do anything for your neighbor. In the sense of relationship, achava is a kind of love that it doesn't rely on electricity. It doesn't matter if the electricity there. It doesn't matter if the, the desire is there. It doesn't matter if there's poetry flowing or not flowing. It's saying, I'm going to meet the other's needs first. Achava is a love that weathers storms. Achava is a, is a love that says, nothing is going to stand in the way of this love that I have for you. Song of Songs, we find this passage in chapter 8. Beginning in verse 7, many waters cannot quench love. It's this achava kind of love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. So as, we, as we think about this in, in our lives or as we've seen it, what, what comes to mind when you think of achava? Uh, first of all, that is a very weird word, and I will probably <laughs> never be able to repeat that or remember that. Uh, but uh, I would definitely say that being up here is an example of my commitment to you. <laughs> this is not my comfort zone at all. Like I said, I had decided in my mind that I was not going to do this, but yeah, when he came up to me a week and a half ago saying, well, you're doing it, right? Like, okay. So yeah, this is, I mean, I would not do this if it wasn't for my love. love. This is, yes, um, I will do it for him. Um, another, I guess an example of, yeah, that word, um, is I had a friend once, like last year, when we went to Egypt, she was like, oh my gosh, you are such the world traveler, Cheryl. Everybody at work knows, too, that I've traveled all over the place. And it dawned on me, I'm like, actually, Gina, I'm not the world traveler. Brian is. Brian loves to travel around the world. I just go with him. <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't enjoy traveling, but traveling, especially like out of the country, is, is not in my comfort zone as well. I enjoy going with him and he helps me be comfortable. But um, I do it because I know that it's very important to him. And I learn so much too when I travel, but um, it is, it's more of a, a commitment to him that I do it with him. And we're, you know, we're partners, so I don't want him going with somebody else, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or by himself. So yeah, okay, yeah, so, yeah. but yeah, that's. Yeah, Through I learned today that travel isn't something she really enjoys. It's just not no. a big <laughs> desire. It's not that I don't enjoy it. Right. I just, it's not my comfort zone. Yeah, but I think, I think this is a great model as we think about conversations about, um, about this kind of love. And, and I, I want to make sure we say, and I'll, I'll probably say this again, this isn't just about, Achava is not just about couples, right? It's a, it's a love, um, it's an unconditional love that, that we can share with uh, children, it's an unconditional love. Like it's not just about couples, but I, I think in the nature of couples, often when couples will come in counseling and they're struggling, one of the one of the things that I have learned over time um, is to ask questions about the other to get them thinking about the needs of the other. Because one of the things that inevitably has happened is they've lost the sense of achava 
not, not necessarily the remembrance of their commitments, but they've lost the idea that they're living for somebody else, that they said that I would do anything um, to put the other's needs first. And so they've forgotten about the needs of the other. It doesn't always fix it, but, but often it's a, um, it's, a, it's a first step. And I, I'm not trained in, in further counseling. I will often refer it at that point. But, but it's one of those steps because, because love is about putting the other first. Like it's funny to hear Cheryl, I hadn't even thought about this till this morning, but it's been funny to hear her talk about travel um, because one of the things we will often do when we travel is hike because she loves, she loves the outdoors, she loves to hike. I like to hike, but I want to go up mountains where the bugs get fewer and fewer. Um, she'll hike anywhere, and I, I remember a hike not that long ago. I'm not even sure she enjoyed it, but I remember I'm going to stick this out. The kids wanted to stop. We all wanted to stop, I think, because we were in the Florida swamp, and there were bugs everywhere. I think it was Florida. Um, there were bugs everywhere, and uh, I'm like, ah, but right for, for Cheryl, I will, I will do that um, because I, it's an experience shared, and I know she is enjoying it, and her needs, when I meet her needs, there's deeper joy for both of us. Achava. Um, I also, I think I've shared this story maybe years ago in a, in a sermon, but um, Cheryl, I was in Kansas City for a, for a convention, I think, and I was with my brother who lives there, and she called and said she thought she was having a, a miscarriage, and I didn't know what to do, um, and, and instead of coming right home, I spent a night out with my brother and was like, well, I didn't, I didn't come home. Um, and, like, one of the things I think we both want everyone to know is our marriage is not perfect. Um, we've, we've had struggles, and, and this was one. I, I broke Ahava. I did not put her needs first. Like, I look back at that moment, I'm like, how did I not see it? Like, I heard the hurt in her voice. What did not cause me to run um, back to her at that point? And I, I don't know the answer, but I think... I think one of the important things about Ahava is realizing it too is something that we work at. It's a commitment, and, and if we learn from our mistakes, it takes time to rebuild trust, but it's so important. And rebuilding trust is about putting the other's needs, the other's needs first over and over and over again to rebuild that trust and that, that sense of, of commitment with each other. I also I just want to mention really briefly here that one of the things you're going to begin to see is how these fit together, right? Um, to have desire without that commitment is, is dangerous. And we're going to hear more about that in a minute, I think, as we, as we think about our third word. Our, our third Hebrew word is, uh, is dode. Dode is essentially the, the word... Um, for love that has that kind of, it's the physical, it's the sexual, sensual, some would say erotic. It's, it's the expression of love. We find it in Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Your dode love is more delightful than wine. This is the expression of love that we find in, in sexual acts. But I, I want us to, to think about love beyond just, beyond just sexual acts because dode is a gift from God and it's about more than sex. Dode is about this gift of, of physical touch, of, of being cared for, of being held, of being wanted, of experiencing pleasure. It's all wrapped into this. 
into this word. Now, I'll be honest, when, uh, when Cheryl and I were talking about this last night, like we're talking about what we're going to say today and some of the questions and topics, and we, we got to this one, and I think she looked at me first, but we both looked and we're like, um, is there time to get out of this? I had, of course, already posted it on Facebook that we were talking today. That way she couldn't get out of it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> right, there was this moment, could we talk about something else? Because this is, this is the point where it gets really awkward and, and hard to talk about. But I think that's the very reason we're here to, to have this conversation, which isn't easy. Um, because I think we, we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it with significant others. We need to talk about it with our kids. We need to talk about it within our, our community. So, Cheryl, as you, as you reflect on, on Dode, on this expression of love, what, what comes to mind? Well, I can remember that word. Yeah, Dode. it's easier that than was, Achava. That yeah. was easier yes. to remember, easier yeah. to pronounce. Um, well, intimacy is not something I talk about very much at all. Um, but it is very important in our relationship. And I do know that um, tonight you're going to give me a back rub because I got a stress <laughs> cramp right here. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but um, I, I, I uh, gosh, for me, intimacy, intimacy is more about spending time together and you said in the first sermon, like being naked in front of each other, but not physically, but more mentally. So being able to share all my grief or anger, like, or joy. Like when my dad died, I asked Brian to perform the funeral and that was his first funeral he had ever done. But it meant so much to me and just knowing that that my dad had a great funeral that that meant a lot and Brian was right there with me to whatever I needed and that's what I needed um, other than that I mean spending time with each other just the two of us alone without kids going away um, I mean I remember a time just going to Florida sometime on a beach just collecting seashells and just being with each other. We don't even have to talk. It's just being, being with each other. Um, if anything, I probably fail in intimacy. <laughs> uh, my love language is not touch, but, um, but we have two kids, so obviously we do, um, you know, <laughs> we do touch, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I think one of the, um, one of the things you point to about Dode that I think is important is at its heart is not sex. It's intimacy. It's, it's being naked, and I, this is what I said in the first service, I say again, it's being naked in front of the other, not with all your clothes off, but with all of yourself on the table. And that's scary, right? But when you have that with Akhava, when you have that with commitment that I'll love you, even if I see you in your in your nakedness, in the worst of your, of your nakedness, then, then you have this beautiful gift from God that allows us to be loved and accepted for all that we are just as God loves us. It's a reflection of, of God's love. 
And, and she's right in the, in the sense that our love languages are different. Mine is physical touch. So I am, I am fed. My love language is give me a, give me a hug, uh, just put a hand on my back so that I know you're there. It's, mine is physical touch, but hers is not. And so for, for Cheryl, that kind of intimacy in our love is, is just to be there, just to spend time and, and to get away so that there aren't other distractions, kids or, or other, other things. Um, and then what we begin to see is how these, how these loves work together, right? When, when we have Dode, when we experience Dode, and, and this is, I, I wish, I, I think we need to have more of these conversations with our young people, because one of the things is, is that, that, right, they go through puberty, they don't get married until they're later, and they have this, this desire to be loved. Well, Dode is not just sexual, and we need to help understand how do you, how do you fill that need? It might be um, it might be in, in relationships with, with best friends. It might be back rubs. It might be, um, if, if your language is physical touch, it, it might be massages. It, there are different ways to meet those, those desires. This is, this is about m- something much bigger than just married couples. The truth is that we all need all three of these loves in our lives. I think that's why Song of Songs is in the Bible. It's a weird book when you're just reading along and suddenly you come to Song of Songs and you're like, whoa, that seems inappropriate and not right to be there. But it speaks, to, it speaks to this deep need for us. We need electricity in our lives. And some of us find that in, in relationships. Some of us find that in conversations with best friends. Some of us find that in music. We need achava. We need commitment in our lives. Some of us find that in, in parents. Some of us find that in children. Some of us find that in, in, in the love of our lives and, and uh, deep marriage relationships. And we need dode in our lives. And, and we need intimacy. We need to have those places where we can lay ourselves out there fully and know that we are fully loved. We need places where we can be naked and know we are loved in our, in our nakedness. It's a return to the Garden of Eden when you think of it that way, right? Adam and Eve were naked and they were unashamed. But then, then something happened. The world crept in. They gave in to the desire to be like God. They, they gave in to the apple and then they were ashamed. Well, well Dode is really a, a desire to return to that place of being wholly loved by God and, and unashamed by being fully ourselves. Rob Bell, as he describes these expressions of love and how they work together um, in this movie flame it's like a little sermonette and he's building this bonfire and he talks about all three right and, and all three are like like matches and sparks and and they all three can generate a little bit of of heat but there, there's a danger if any one of them is is missing right if we if we think that a marriage is built on the foundation of dough, then what happens when, when the dough fades? If we think it's built on the electricity, what happens when the electricity fades? We need all three, and it's really grounded in the, in the love that is Ahava. Rob Bell shows that when you put them together, right, he builds this massive bonfire. They actually say when they were filming it, you could see it for miles around, it was so big. And I, I've read somewhere that they wouldn't ever let him do it again. <laughs> Um, because it was, they believed it was a danger. But it, when you put all three flames together, it creates this incredible flame that I think is, is this heat and passion and knowledge that we are loved to the core. It's God's desire for us. So as we, as we get ready to close this conversation, 
let, let me first just say a huge thank you to, to Cheryl, who I really did think said yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing lunch today, and then now I know a back rub, and then I'm sure other things this week will, uh, will you know, um, square the, uh, no, it doesn't work. By the way, marriage doesn't work that way. Um, you love, you give, and uh, I just want to say thank you to, to Cheryl for being here today. Um, there's a lot more that we could share about Song of Songs, a, a lot more uh, neat stuff is, is in there, but I think I think the hope, as we conclude this 167 series, right, we've been talking about how do we make the other 167 holy. And one of the ways I think we can do that is use this as a starting place to have these conversations about our sexuality and about love and about relationships and about intimacy. And will it be awkward? Yeah, sometimes. Will it be uncomfortable? Yes, I think we'd both say it wasn't all comfort having this conversation today. But our our sexuality is a gift from God. Intimacy is a gift from God. And if we're going to think about the other 167 hours of our lives, one of the ways to think about it is to think about our relationships. How is each relationship a gift from God? How do we experience love and intimacy in different ways in those relationships as gifts from God? And if we'll talk about it, I think we open up the door to experience and to know better and deeper relationships and in and through better and deeper relationships, a better and deeper relationship with the God who loves us completely. Amen.